91.3 FM stereo. الحج أشهر معلومات لبيك اللهم لبيك الحج أشهر معلومات لبيك لا شريك لك لبيك الحج أشهر الحمد والنعمة لك الحج أشهر معلومات فمن فرض فيهن الحج فلا رفث ولا فسوق ولا جدال في الحج وما تفعلوا من خير يعلمه الله وتزودوا فإن خير الزاد التقوى واتقوني Hajj, a journey of love with a respected Molina Muxing Zangonka. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and good evening. The first part of this evening's program, of course, Hajj, a journey of love with a respected Molina Muhsin Zalkonka, my guest in the studio. Molina, Salaam Alaikum. Wa Alaikum Salaam, Rahmatullahi Ta'ala wa Barakatuh, Buta Yusuf. And how was Molina this evening? Alhamdulillah. Mashallah, Mashallah. Let me first say once again, shukran very much for availing yourself to be here. And uh, also, I need to just say that uh, the program thus far has been well received by listeners. Alhamdulillah. Got response to say people appreciate the program. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Samalina, where are you taking us this evening? Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. As-salatu wassalamu ala ashraf al-mursaleen. Sayyidina wa nabiyina wa habibina wa shafi'ina mulana Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Once again, as-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. Buddha Yusuf and to our esteemed listeners. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, we are in this glorious month. Of the Hijjah. You know, when the nearer we come to the days of Hajj, especially the day of Arafah, our heart, our minds, our intellect seems to take us into that direction, mm. onto those holy lands. And I'm sure every believer has this desire and wish, if only I could have also been Allah. there. Alhamdulillah, we need to realize that it is part of the nature and disposition of man to love. Hmm. We all have this ability and Allah has granted us a freedom. We can display this love the way we wish to display it. Because man has the ability, so we find we love different things in different ways hmm. you have your love for your creator you have your love for your prophet you speak about love for your parents for your elders for your family for your children then there's also the love for the materialistic issues of this dunya 
Love for your position within society Love for all the degrees perhaps that you carry behind your name But the, <clears throat> the greatest downfall, Buddha Yusuf, of man Is that many times we tend to uh, not be in a position to prioritize this love to prioritize this love. If I can give you maybe a, a very weak example. Um, I love my mother. Like you, we all love our parents. Yeah. We love, you know, our mother especially. Um, she's uh, the, the love of your life. But the day you get married, she seems to go into a secondary position because now you love your wife. No. Someone who just walked into your life is now a recipient of all your love, all your affection, mm. all your attention. Number one. Number one. Mm. You know, as uh, mama oh, mama, you know, then you think. But this is because we tend not to be able to prioritize. The love I have for my creator is priority, right. first thing. Then the love for my prophet. Then, yes, there comes your parents. Then uh, you can prioritize your children, etc., etc., etc. This is a beautiful incident. Um, seeing that we're just speaking of this prioritizing, Musa alayhi salatu wasalam <coughs> asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because he was Kalimullah. So he asked Allah that, Oh Allah, who is going to be my companion in Jannah? A, a prophet of Allah, not just an ordinary prophet, one of the Ulul Azmi Rusul, asked Allah, who is going to be my companion? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala directed his Nabi to a certain village yeah. and told his Nabi that in that village you will find in a certain place a butcher man, a person who stands on the, on, on the road, he's selling meat. He's going to be your Companion, so Musa والسلام, was very amazed. I'm a Nabi of Allah, and this butcher is going to be my companion in Jannah. <coughs> so he decides to go hmm. and to find out what it is that this person is really doing that is now granting or has granted him the position that in the year after he's going to be the companion of a Nabi. So Musa والسلام, watched him from afar. It was a normal business, a little shop he had, people used to come, buy, leave. For the entire day there was absolutely nothing amazing really mm. besides buying or selling. So Musa والسلام, then decided to follow him home. Mm. When he went home, Musa والسلام, saw that the house was basically it had two sides to it or two rooms, one on the left and one on the right with an entrance in the middle. On the one side, there was a family, which was evident. There were children. And on the other side, there was a room with only one single person in it, and that was an old lady. So when this butcher entered, instead of going to where the family was, the children were playing, he first went to this room where this old lady was. And Musa والسلام, could see from outside exactly what was transpiring. So he saw... That this person goes in, he kisses this uh, lady on the forehead, he takes some water in a bucket and he is washing her hands, her mouth, 
and uh, making her very, very comfortable. <clears throat> and then he picks up a plate of food, and with his hands, he is feeding this lady. And after he fed her, this was evident, and it could be seen. Although whatever the lady was saying mm. was um, because Musa was too far, he could not hear. But she lifted the hand as if she was making dua. Mm. And after she had completed her dua, she gave uh, this man a kiss and he left and he went next door. And it was evident that these were his children. They all came and they were hugging him and, and playing with him. So Musa decided to go in. He goes in and he asks permission to go first to the old lady. So he asks, tell me, who is this old lady? And he says, the man says, this is my mother. My first duty when I come home, before I go to my wife, my children, is to first see to my mother, see to her knees, feed her with my own hands, make her very, very comfortable. And every night she makes a dua for me. And then I go to my children. So Musa alayhi salatu wasalam asks this young man, tell me, what dua does your mother make? And he says, well, there are two du'as that my mother makes every night for me. And Musa asks, now tell me what, can you tell me what the two du'as are? And he says, yes. But what I can also tell you is that the first du'a, Allah has already accepted. Well, the first du'a my mother makes every night for me that Allah must make me uh, and grant me barakah in everything that I do. So Allah has granted me so much of barakah in my business, in my home. Definitely the dua of my mother. And he says a second dua. No, my mother makes this dua that, Oh Allah, grant my son to be the companion of Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. Musa alayhi salatu wasalam says, Allah has accepted the dua of your mother in your favor. Verily, I am the Nabi of Allah. I am Musa and Allah has granted me this Glad tidings that you will be my companion in Jannah to Firdaus. Allahu Akbar. Look, this is dua of a mother. So we need to prioritize. And we can see this very love. Even Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has for his prophet. Mm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has for us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the glorious Quran and Allah speaks about this hub. And this hope that Allah has for us, Allah says, if you claim you love Allah, then you need to follow the Rasul. And what will happen if you follow the Rasul? Allah says, you will find the love of Allah by following and emulating the Rasul. There is a beautiful Urdu couplet, but I'm going to have to bring it in here. Inshallah. You know, we all believe it is our aqidah, our iman, there is a hereafter. There is going to be a day of judgment. We are going to be reckoned with. We are going to be questioned. But this poet, he's not just a poet. He's a great, very great scholar, great alim. Allama Hassan Rada, alayhi rahma wa ridwan. He says, and he speaks about the day of judgment. And more specifically about the weighing of the scales on the day of judgment. He says, فَقَدْ إِتْنَا سَبَبْهَيْ إِنْ إِقَالَيْ بَزْمَيْ مَحْشَرْكَ he says, verily, the way I look at it, the only and only reason why there is going to be a day 
when the deeds will be weighed. This is the first part of the, of the couplet. Mm. He says there is one reason only why there is going to be a day wherein the deeds will be weighed. His argument runs as follows. He says, Allah is the all-knowing. Allah knows who's going to Jannah, who's not going to Jannah. Allah is alimul ghaybi wa shahada. If on the day of Qiyamah, or prior to the day of Qiyamah, when we are all going to be resurrected from our qubur, if Allah had to just pass judgment, that you are an inhabitant of Jannah and you go to Jahannam, would we be able to uh, uh, argue with the Creator that Allah, no, you are wrong in your judgment? No, we cannot. Because he has that knowledge. He knows exactly who is going to Jannah and who is not going to Jannah. (coughs) So if Allah wanted, he could have let us rise from our qabr and say, right, you go that way and you go that way. Go straight. End of story. Why still bring everybody to the scales, weigh your deeds, um, go through this whole uh, uh, story uh, and this whole great event? He says, no. Faqat. He says there's only one reason. Itna sabab hai in iqale bazme mahsharka for that day of judgment where your deeds will be weighed. Ke unki shane mahbubi dikhai jani wali hai. He says the only reason is that on that day Allah would want to show everyone the status of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He wants to show everyone the status of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and we know for a fact. That everyone will run to every Nabi from the time of Adam alayhi salatu wasalam. Every Nabi will be approached that, O oh, Nabi, intercede on our behalf. Mm. And what will be the words of the Nabis? They will say, Nafsi, Nafsi, now I'm worried about my own self. Idhabu ila ghayri, idhabu ila ghayri. Go to someone else. Nuh alayhi salatu wasalam will, vis- will be visited. Isa alayhi salatu wasalam, Musa kalimullah, Ibrahim khalilullah, Ismail zabihullah. Every Nabi will be will be asked and every Nabi is going to give the very same answer that today I'm worried about my own self go to someone else go to someone else and the importance of this is why will every Nabi be asked people could have come directly to Muhammad but no again it will be proven that this is the status of the final messenger Muhammad if every Nabi has turned you away, Muhammad Rasulullah will not turn you away. Allah. If every Nabi said, Nafsi, Nafsi, then Muhammad will say, Ummati, Ummati. That, oh Allah, my Ummah, my Ummah. And the doors of intercession will open through that dua which the Prophet will make on the day of Qiyamah. MashaAllah. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll be back right after this. Hajj, the journey of love. With the respected Molina Muxin Zalkonke. Molina, Fado. Yes, Buta Yusuf, Hajj, a journey of love. And we are actually speaking about this love and this Mahabba. You know, the great school Sufi scholars, they say that Hajj is in actual fact an invitation to visit the birthplace of the Prophet, <laughs> where he spent 53 years of his glorious life. Alhamdulillah. To perform tawaf the way he performed tawaf. To kiss the Hajar al-Aswad the way he kissed it. And this emulation we find was in the Sahaba. What did Sayyidina Umar say? When he kissed the black stone, he said, Oh black stone, I'm not kissing you just because you're embedded in one of the corners of the glorious Kaaba. I'm not kissing you because you're from Jannah. 
The only reason Umar is kissing you because I saw my Rasul kiss you. No. So it becomes an emulation. And as we have said in the past weeks, you know, the entire Hajj is an emulation of deeds done by the beloved of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is our love that we emulate and practice these things. Although in today's time, like running between Safa and Marwa, uh, there is no need to run for water like Sayyidah Hajra did. But we do it. Mm. And this is a sign of our love. Firstly to our Creator who has ordained it. And then also because it was a deed which the Almighty Allah loved. So automatically we do it out of love. Mm. You know, we perform, uh, uh, when we perform the Tawaf of the Glorious Kaaba, we do a Ramal. And this is now especially for the men. Mm. What is Ramal? <clears throat> Ramal is... When we perform the tawaf of the glorious Kaaba, we take, tend to take big strides. Right? This is sunnah only for the men, not for the ladies. Mm. Where does this come from? This uh, practice of, of performing ramal, for example, in the tawaf. When Rasulullah mm. and his sahaba made the tawaf of the glorious Kaaba, we need to realize the at- utmost respect that the sahaba had for the Prophet the way they walked with him, the way they the way they spoke to him, the humbleness in which they found themselves when they were in his august presence. Mm-hmm. So they would walk with lowered gaze, with with uh, humility. They would walk behind him. They would not show arrogance. They would not show boastfulness. On seeing this, the Meccans that were standing around started to mock at the Prophet and his Sahaba. And the words they were saying was, that look at this weak nation. Look at these weak Muslims. They cannot even walk up straight. Now the Sahaba were showing humbleness. <laughs> you know, hmm. uh, and thus they were walking in that, in that manner. But for the Kuffar, this was a, a, a walk of, or a sign of their weakness. Sign of weakness. Yes. yes. So the Prophet ﷺ heard this. And then the Prophet ﷺ said to his Sahaba, Oh my Sahaba, your respect on its place. Mm-hmm. I realize the respect you have for me. But today, Muhammad Rasulullah is going to command you to do something. Today, I command you that you lift your heads. Lift your shoulders. Mm-hmm. Take big strides. Push out your chest. And I said this is only for the men. No. Push out your chest and walk like a bodybuilder or like a wrestler would walk mm. when you perform the tawaf of the glorious Kaaba. And as soon as the Sahaba heard this from the Prophet ﷺ, they immediately lifted their shoulders, pushed mm. out their chest, started taking big strides. And on seeing this, those very same Meccans who said that this was seemed like a very weak uh, group of people, mm. they said, but now they seem like giants. And the Prophet instructed them to walk. Now what we would call Ramal is walking in a boastful manner. Uh, right, walking in a boastful manner. Uh, if you look at the deen of Islam, walking in a boastful manner is not permissible. Anywhere on this dunya except in front of the glorious Allah. Kaaba. <laughs> except in front of the glorious Kaaba. Look me. Yeah. Allah. You're not allowed to walk with kibar. Hmm. Kibar belongs to Allah. Alone, you cannot walk with kibar, 
But there, the command is to walk like with kibber, to walk with big strides, to 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 lift your heads and walk like a, a strong soldier of Islam. Why? Today is not necessary. Hmm. In those years it were because of the situation with the Meccan Kufar. Right. But Allah loved this action of the Sahaba so much that it has been made compulsory until the day of Qiyamah that we also emulate it to remind us of the Prophet Sallallahu and his Sahaba and the sacrifice they made for the glorious deen of Islam. Allah. So, yes, it boils down, boils down to that love, that love we have. Allahu Akbar. You know, this journey of Hajj is a journey of love. If we can only do and, and fulfill the rights of Allah through this love that we have, no. then we will find, we will find a certain sweetness within that act of worship it will not just become a ritual no they will become it will be a, 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 an ibadah that is sweet mm. a sajda that is sweet can we even call it the act of love an act of love why right. not why not an act of love allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the hajj allah says atimul hajja wal umrah lillah walillahi alal nasi hijjul bayt man istata'a ilayhi sabila and you have to perform the Hajj of the Baytullah, those who have the means. Lillah, Allah says Lillah, all over Allah says Lillah, the Prophet Sallallahu speaks about Hajj. Man hajja Lillah, falam yarfuth, walam yafsuk, rajaka yawmin waladathu ummu, the one who performs Hajj, Lillah, for the sake of Allah, without using any vulgar language or without performing any sin, Allah returns that person as a newly born child, free from sin. So wherever we speak about this act of worship, this hajj, and not just hajj, but everything, our salah is lillah, zakah is lillah, uh, fasting in the month of Ramadan, everything is lillah. But sadly, and yeah, I'm going to speak to myself first, how sincere are we really when we say lillah? It is for Allah. Hmm. Allah has commanded us, Whenever we perform salah, we may say inna salati wa nusuki wa mahyaya wa mamati. Again, lillahi rabbil alameen. Right? My salah, my sacrifice, my life, my death is solely for Allah. Everything is solely for Allah. So, how sincere am I really when, when, when I look at um, uh, what I'm saying to my Creator? The claim I have mm. that our Allah, this is for you. And yet, I want people to recognize me as a haji. Mm. Huh? I want people to recognize me as a very generous person. Mm. I want people to know that I am a regular musalli at the masjid. Mm. Is this sincerity? No, this is not sincerity. If I'm doing something for the Creator Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it should remain between me and my Creator Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It should not be splashed. Inshallah, now, within a few days, we are going to be celebrating Eid al-Adha. We are going to be performing the Qurbani again. That Qurbani is Lillah. Mm. Yes, and that's, that's Buddha Yusuf. I say I'm speaking to myself first before I speak to anyone. How truthful am I really in that claim when I say my Qurban, my Udhiyah is solely for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? The question I can ask, if you say it is for Allah, 
if you say you are truthful in your claim for the Almighty, to the Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then can I do what Ibrahim Khalilullah alayhi salatu wasalam did? Can I really do what he did? Am I prepared to sacrifice my child for Allah? Today, Buta Yusuf, you can't shout at a child, hmm. then the parents want to come and tell you, Muallim, Muallima, why did you shout at my child? Hmm. We are told, why you give my child so much homework? This is a love we have for our children. Let alone doing what Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam did. Or was prepared to do, to sacrifice his child. Because he was truthful in his claim. When he says, I'm doing this for the sake of Allah, for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He comes to his son and he says to his son, Inni arafil manam, anni fanzur That, oh my son, I have seen in a dream that I need to slaughter you. What do you have to say about it? The son says, Ya Abatif al-Matumar, satajiduni inshallah min al-sabirin. Oh my father, do as you have been commanded to do. Verily you will find me of those who have patience, those who will persevere. So today we claim, we claim so many things. And it is said, yes, uh, if I claim I love my creator Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then my actions will actually prove whether I am truthful in that claim of mine or not. The Prophet ﷺ has mentioned that the reason a haji is so special after he or she has returned from hajj, and the Prophet says, when a haji comes from hajj, then command the haji. Not request. Command them. For what? Command them to make dua for you. For your maghfirah. Why? فَإِنَّهُ مَغْفُورٌ Because they have been forgiven by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When the haji returns, the Prophet sallallahu says, kiss their eyes, because those were the eyes. You know, kiss the eyes of that person who has seen the glorious Kaaba. What is this? This is a sign of love. Love. Because that person has witnessed the glorious Kaaba, mm. that person has so seen Madinatul Rasul, that person has been in Makkatul Mukarramah. Uh, and in a few days' time, Alhamdulillah, the entire world will witness the unity and sincerity of the Muslim Ummah. Yusuf, no other religion will show you this beauty and this beautiful aspect of worshipping Allah subhanahu and the submission. The submission to the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And alhamdulillah on the plains of Arafat. You know, we, we, we all long to be there. But I would think the greatest message that you can learn on the plains of Arafat is that we realize how insignificant we are. <laughs> You're just like another grain of sand in that desert or in that ocean, a drop of water in that ocean. Yes, you will stand out. Depends on how much taqwa you have. Hmm. How much God consciousness you, you have and display. So we are all equal in the sight of the Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I can be who at home. I can be the richest person within my community. I can have the greatest of, of education and the greatest of titles. I can hmm. have a great status within the community. This means absolutely nothing. The Creator subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us that we are equal in His sight. And the only thing that will differentiate us one from another is the quality of taqwa and God consciousness that we have. A poet so beautifully says, 
and he speaks about uh, King Mahmud, Mahmud Ghaznavi, a very famous king. But this famous king had a very cherished slave by the name of Ayaz. Hmm. Ayaz. He was a servant, and Mahmud was the king. So the poet says, and speaking about the beauty of Islam and the beauty of the ibadat of Islam, he says, Ek hi saf mein kare ho gaye Mahmud o Ayaz. Na koi banda raha, na koi banda nawaz. He says, Mahmud was the king, Ayaz was his servant. But when it was time for salah, then Mahmud and Ayaz would stand in one saf. They would stand shoulder to shoulder. One is a master and one is a slave. But when they stand in front of the master of the worlds, then they are equal. They're equal. They're equal. Na koi banda raha, na koi banda nawas. In salah, there's no, nothing like you a king and you a pauper, you a servant. No. In salah, you a servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Irrespective of who you are. Irrespective of from where you come. So all servants at that stage are equal. They are equal no. in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No. So coming back to the claim. I was speaking about claim. We hmm. claim so many things. And you know, it is so beautifully mentioned that uh, three uh, there are three things that a person who claims these three things and they do not refrain from three, he's a liar. Hmm. A person who claims three things and does not refrain from three. Right. From another three? No, it's another three, all right. That person is a liar. Sorry. He's not truthful in oh. his claim. Okay. The first is a person who claims that he or she experiences the sweetness of the remembrance of Allah. This is now whether it is ibadah, whether it be the tilawa, whether it be zikr, but claims he's experiencing the sweetness of the remembrance of Allah and but still loves the dunya. Uh. It doesn't work. Mm. You cannot have the love of Allah and the love of the dunya within this one heart. This heart belongs to Allah. The two doesn't go together. It doesn't go together. Right. Right. So if a person says he experiences the sweetness and still loves this dunya, then no. We must remember this heart is like a ship. And this dunya is the ocean. Mm. Mm. The dunya has been created for us to use. So this heart needs to sail through this ocean, which is this dunya. The moment I'm going to allow the ocean to get into my ship, hmm. I'm going to have a problem. It's going to sink. It's going to go down. Right. right. So I need to use this dunya like a ship uses the ocean to make my sailing smooth. Uh, Ibrahim bin Adham, another great king. Ibrahim bin Adham you know, we are on this dunya for a very short time. Hmm. We think we are here for very long, but we cannot compare it to the hereafter. We cannot compare it to uh, the Jannah. So short. Ibrahim bin Adham, a very learned person, but also a king. One of two kings in Islamic history who left kingdom and went out in search of knowledge of the deen to find the nearness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One was Ibrahim bin Adham 
and the sec- second was Maghdum Ashraf Jahangir of Simnan also left his entire kingdom got off his throne and just left went into the jungle to find the nearness of Allah mm-hmm. subhanahu wa ta'ala Ibrahim bin Adham king sitting on his throne a person comes in who seems like a, a traveler or a wayfarer he comes in and he starts looking around the palace of Ibrahim bin Adham and this annoyed him <laughs> Ibrahim bin Adham asked him who are you just walking into my palace and looking around uh, what are you looking for mm. and this person says to him oh king I'm very fascinated at this hotel of yours ah the king was even more angry of course how dare you call my palace mm. a hotel it's mm. not a hotel it's a my palace it's my pride so the person says oh Ibrahim al-Adham you say it's not a a hotel but tell me uh, who sat on that throne before you he says my father and before him he says my grandfather and tell me after you who's going to sit on that throne he says my son Hmm. he says okay so two days ago your grandfather was here yesterday your father today you here tomorrow your son is going to be here if this is not a hotel then what is it One one day everybody's getting a day uh. to sit on this throne and then they leave. Mm. They come, mm. they stay, and then they leave. This is a hotel. The king got very angry and something touched his heart. That what this man is saying is something very true. Mm. So immediately he goes to his chamber, he goes onto his bed. And he's not thinking about this, what this man has just told him. It's a lesson. And during the course of the night, Ibrahim bin Adham hears a sound on top of the roof. And he calls out by the window, who is there on the roof of the, the uh, palace of the king? And a voice comes, he says, oh king, I'm looking for my horse. And the king replies, Ibrahim bin Adham says to him, oh stupid man, how can you look for your horse on top of my roof? Uh. And the person says, oh Ibrahim bin Adham, how can you find Allah by lying on your bed? How can you find Allah? By laying on your bed. If you want to find Allah, you have to go in search of Allah. Mm-hmm. Ibrahim bin Adham gets up, he leaves his entire kingdom, and he goes out first in search of knowledge to find the nearness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. MashaAllah. Let's take a break. We'll be back after this. <laughs> الحج أشهر معلومات فمن فرض فيهن الحج فلا رفث ولا فسوق ولا جدال في الحج وما تفعلوا من خير يعلمه الله وتزودوا فإن خير الزاد التقوى واتقون يا أولي الألباب Hajj, a journey of love with the respected Sheikh Molana Muhsin Zalkonka. Molana? Mr. Yusuf, just before the break we were speaking about <clears throat> the person who claims three things hmm. and does not refrain from three, 
He's a liar. No. And we spoke about the first one, the one who claims that he or she experiences the sweetness of the remembrance of Allah and still loves the dunya. The second one is a person who claims to love the Almighty but does not destroy the nafs. Uh-huh. This does not go together. Because the nafs is always going to take you away from Allah, from the love of Allah, from the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When we speak about the creator Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, uh, perhaps our iman is still too weak to realize this. But whoever accepts Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a creator, as a cherisher, mm-hmm. as a nourisher, as a sustainer, uh, will never leave Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Irrespective of which condition you find yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a beautiful example in the time of the Rasul, or, or actually after the Prophet sallallahu passed on, no. in the time and era of Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Sayyidina Abdullah bin Huzafa radiallahu ta'ala anhu, and 18 mujahideen uh, went and they were sent on a, a battle expedition by Sayyidina Umar, who was Amir al-Mu'minin at that time. And it just happened that they were captured by the Romans. Mm. They were captured, and the leader or the king that time was Hercules, Heracle. To, to, to cut the entire story short, Hercules saw in Abdullah bin Huzafa, in the Sahabi Rasul, he saw a very great person with great character, a person with um, a beautiful akhlaq, and he had the desire that Abdullah bin Huzafa become his son-in-law. Hmm. He wanted his daughter to marry Abdullah bin Huzafa. No. Abdullah bin Huzafa was not interested. He had no interest in the king's daughter. And the king then told him, listen, if you're not going to accept what I say to you, firstly, I want you to leave your religion and embrace my religion and then marry my daughter. Uh, Abdullah bin Huzafa, he said, no, I'm not interested. The king then promised to punish him and give him a severe punishment. And you know what the punishment was, Buddha Yusuf? They brought a massive pot of oil to boiling point. Boiling point. The king got a, serve, a, a, a prisoner from the prison and threw him into this boiling oil. Within a few seconds, there were no remains. Right. This was just an example. And it was said to Abdullah bin Huzafa, if you're not going to accept my conditions, then this is going to happen to you. Abdullah bin Huzafa started to cry. And the king thought for a while that perhaps now his heart has softened. He's going to now listen to me. So the king says, Oh, Abdullah, you have come to realize what is going to happen to you if you do not accept what I say to you. And Abdullah bin Huzafa gives a beautiful answer. He says, Oh, king, do not think I'm crying because now I am prepared to accept your conditions. He says, the only reason, the only and only reason that I cry is that Allah has given me this one life. And I'm just thinking that Allah has given me only this one life that I can give in His path. If only Allah had given me a hundred lives, I would have given each and every Allah. life in the path of Allah. Allah. I would have given every life in the path of Allah. I'm crying because I only have this one life to no. offer. Too little to offer. Too little to offer Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, once you accept Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there is no turning back. Hmm. There's a beautiful incident also of Isa alayhi salatu wasalam. Hmm. 
Nabi Isa alayhi salatu wasalam was walking through a village one day and he saw a young man. And this young man was working in the garden. Imam Ghazali mentions this in his famous book, Mukashifatul Qulub. He says this, Nabi of Allah saw this young man working in the garden and when the young man saw the Nabi of Allah come, he immediately got up and he came to Nabi Isa alayhi salatu wasalam and he requested Nabi Isa alayhi salatu wasalam to make dua for him. Hmm. So the Nabi of Allah asked him, what do you want me to make dua for? What is it that you desire? And the young man says, Oh Nabi of Allah, I want you to make dua that Allah avails me and I outer of his love. I just want a little love mm. for my Rabb, for my Creator, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Nabi of Allah lifts his hands and he makes dua. And people sometimes forget that when a Nabi lifts his hands, the dua is accepted. Mm. And you know, our beloved Rasul sallallahu also lifted his hands for all the hujjaj until the day of Qiyamah. And what was the dua of the Rasul? Allahumma ghfir lil haj wa liman istaghfir allahu al-haj that oh Allah forgive the haji and forgive the one for whom the haji makes dua. Allahu Akbar. You know our beloved Rasul made this dua and until the day of Qiyamah this dua will remain with his ummah. And through the barakah of that dua of the Rasul, Allah will accept and Allah has accepted it. Alhamdulillah. And thus, it is important that, yes, the haji make dua, not only for themselves, but they make dua. They are representing the entire Muslim ummah. They are representing the entire Muslim ummah. We cannot all be there. Hmm. So they are representing us. We can only but make dua and ask the Almighty Allah to take them salamat, inshallah. inshallah. We heard about the great tragedy on, on Friday. But you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so merciful. Buddha Yusuf, so merciful. Rasul alayhi salatu wasalam, yes, we feel it, we feel uh, all the families that have lost dear ones, but we are speaking of the glorious city of Makkah. Mm. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi says so beautifully in a hadith, Man mata fi ahdil haramain bu'itha yawm al-qiyamah min al-aminin. Sadaqah Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says Whoever dies in any of the two harams Whether it be Makkah or Medina Whoever dies in any of these two haram Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Will resurrect that person In a state of Aman Means that person will be resurrected And will be granted straight entrance Into Jannatul Firdaus There will be no questioning No reckoning No reckoning Allah they will be of those who will be in a state of aman, in a state of peace, tranquility, because they will be shown immediately their position and their martaba and their daraja in Jannatul Firdaus. So glad tidings even for them. So this young man, he said to the Nabi of Allah, that, O Isa wasalam, I want you to make dua, Allah must grant me an out of his love. The Nabi of Allah made dua. A few days later, Isa wasalam, passed through that very same village and that very same garden. Mm. But now he didn't see the young man in the garden. So he inquired that where is this young man? And it was said that, oh Nabi of Allah, just after you made dua the first time, that young man walked into the direction of those mountains. 
and no one has seen him again. So Isa alayhi salatu decides to go into the mountain to see where this young man is. He goes in the mountain and he sees on one of the highest points of the mount, this young man is standing with his hands raised, looking into the sky, looking into the sama. Isa alayhi salatu managed to get up to a certain position where he could at least call upon the young man mm. and calls and greets the young man. The young man looks down, he sees the Nabi of Allah, he says, Wa alaikas salam, and again he looks into the sky, into the sama, and he's just calling out, Allah, Allah, Allah. Isa alayhi salatu wasalam says to him, that, oh young man, you, you realize who I am, I'm the Nabi of Allah. And the young man says, yes, I've realized you are the Nabi, I know you're the Nabi of Allah, but oh Nabi of Allah, you made a dua that Allah must avail me, and I out of his love. Allah has availed it to me and thus I'm standing here. I'm only interested in my Rabb. No. I'm only interested in my Creator Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'm so involved with my Creator Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, yes, if we claim we love the Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then my actions again will show how truthful I am in this claim. And then thirdly, the one who claims sincerity, he claims that he is sincere. He claims that everything he does is with ikhlas for the sake of Allah but still seeks the praise of man. Oh. Still seeks the praise of man. You can know that person is not sincere. Mm. And what does the hadith tell us? Hadith tells us about great, great, we keep speaking about learned people, salih people, mm. Mm. who will on the day of Qiyamah be told by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that your abode is Jahannam. And it will be asked why. It will be said to them, but whatever you did in the dunya, you did it for solely for man to praise you, for people to praise you. And thus, there is no reward for you here in this uh, akhirah, but for you to go to Jahannam. May Allah protect us. Amen. And we make dua, inshallah, that Allah grant our hujjaj the necessary health, strength, Amen. iman, taqwa Amen. on the plains of Arafat, Mina, Muzdalifah, inshallah, uh, so that they can fulfill this hajj and this beautiful journey of the hajj and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep them all salamat inshallah and bring them back salamat into our homes so that they can bring the barakah of the glorious cities of Makkatul Mukarramah and Madinatul Munawwara and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant them all a hajj which is maqbool and mabroor inshallah Amen. may Allah maqbool the dua inshallah shukran very much Maulana and that concludes our series on hajj but uh, you won't be with us next week. But after that, we'll have something else for the listeners. That's a promise. What um, I'd like to do now is uh, just to say shukran very much for having been here for the past three weeks. And looking Allah. forward to our next, uh, can we say it, uh, couple of programs that we'll be having. But I'd like to play out with uh, a CD that I have in front of me. I must say shukran very much for uh, having given me this one. It's from Hafiz Muhammad Mubin Ashraf. And that's your son. I mean, type. Yes. He is a, 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 a Kari. And also he does a knot. And we are going to play out with a beautiful knot by him. And uh, it's, uh, what is the track called? It has Malina? to do with the, the, the glorious Kaaba. No. Uh, when one looks at the glorious Kaaba for the very first time, you know, the emotions that goes through one's, mm. you know, body, through one's mind, through one's heart. 
that is mentioned in this beautiful kalam Inshallah. that he recites. Amen. So, listening to Hafiz Muhammad Mubin Ashraf, that will conclude our program for this evening. Shukran, till we speak again. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. <laughs> Cape 91.3 FM Stereo.